Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumbacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey guys, if you like the show and you want to show your support, uh, check out the Opperman Report Patreon. Uh, you can go there and become a member uh, for $3 a month. We have all the shows that you hear Monday through Friday on AMFM Radio. We have all those shows... But we cut out the ads, so you can hear that content ad-free. There's a $5 section where we put up all the old uh, member section shows going up over there. And then there's a $10 section where we have brand new content. Eight hours of exclusive content per month uh, goes up there in the $10 section. But listen, I put up a lot of free stuff, too. We put up documents, court documents, photographs, announcements. So you should make the Opperman Report Patreon a stop. You should stop there once a day and check out what's going on over there. That's Opperman Report Patreon. A flooded home or business is never easy to deal with. You're left with a mess to clean up, having to deal with the insurance company to pay for the damages, not to mention the memories that are lost that you cannot replace. An Aquadam can be another tool in your arsenal to protect your home or business from the floodwaters, a hurricane storm surge, or the king tides. Give Aquadam a call at 707-764-2119 or look us up online at aquadam.net. We can help. We're also offering 10% off the price to anyone who mentions they heard this ad on the Opperman Report. If you find yourself in need of legal representation, it can be a very stressful time in your life. In my career, I have dealt with thousands of lawyers, I've dealt with thousands of law firms, and I can confidently recommend to you Keith M. Davidson at kmdlaw.com. Available 24 hours, 7 days a week, just log into kmdlaw.com, that's kmdlaw.com, or you can call toll-free 833-4-KMD-LAW, that's 833-4-KMD-LAW. Personal injury, wrongful death, STDs, sexual assault, car accidents, They handle it all efficiently and professionally. It doesn't matter how imposing the opposition may be, because the team at KMDLaw.com are battle-tested and fierce. They will not stop until justice prevails. Go to KMDLaw.com or call toll-free 833-4KMDLaw. If you're in for the fight of your life, stop screwing around and contact KMDLaw. Hey, if you have something you want to promote, like a business or a website, you've got a big event coming up, uh, consider advertising on the Opperman Report. Uh, we have excellent advertising rates for you. We're on KCAA on uh, three different frequencies on AMFM in California, KSHP, uh, 1400 AM, uh, Nevada, uh, WWPR in Florida, the Tampa Bay area, 1490 AM, and also WWNN. 
which is on the east coast of Florida, all the way from Miami up to Port Bay. 175 miles of I-95. Uh, the advertising rates are very affordable. Uh, once your ad goes up and we play the show on the podcast and on the YouTube channel, uh, those ads stay up there forever. And then we play repeats every single night of classic Opperman Report shows. And your new ads will be inserted into those repeats that play every single night. So uh, the, the, the saturation is incredible and the rates are very affordable. Contact me at oppermanreport at gmail.com. It's the Opperman Report. Join digital forensic investigator and PI Ed Opperman for an in-depth discussion of conspiracy theories, strategy of New World Order resistance, high-profile court cases in the news, and interviews with expert guests and authors on these topics and more. It's the Opperman Report. And now, here is investigator Ed Opperman. Okay, welcome to the Opperman Report. I'm your host, private investigator, Ed Opperman. Uh, you can find me at Opperman Investigations and Digital Forensic Consultant, uh, either through my website, emailrevealer.com, or you can just email me directly at oppermaninvestigations at gmail.com. Uh, if you like our show, be sure and check out our Patreon. I put up about eight hours of new content on Patreon each month, uh, each week. No, each month, eight hours a month. Uh, yeah. And what you call it's exclusive content there. Uh, plus, all the stuff you hear on AMFM radio, we put up there uh, ad free. We cut out all the commercials and ads. You can get it there for uh, without the commercials in there. Uh, but our archives are always free. You can find them at Apple Plays or you can find them at Spreaker.com, iHeartRadio. And there's a chat room on Spreaker. And if you sign up on Spreaker too, there's a uh, you get an email notification anytime I put up new content. And I play repeats every single night of the week. So check out Spreaker.com. Uh, I'm really excited about our show today. Uh, this is a story that I've heard about before. Donye Jones, who was found hanging from a tree uh, in his backyard. Our guests there are John Duffy and Ray Novoselsky. Uh, they got a podcast called After the Uprising, The Death of Donye Dion Jones. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Um, it's 11 episodes. It comes out uh, every Tuesday. They, they drop a new episode. You can also meet him in person in St. Louis on August 28th. There's going to be an event where all the people involved in this podcast, all the people being accused, people who are being suspect, uh, are going to be present there, and they can give their side of the story. Uh, so John Duffy and Ray Novoselsky. John, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Tell us about yourself. Who is John Duffy? Uh, John Duffy is... Um uh, just a guy, a dad, a husband, uh, a guy who likes to live a fairly quiet and private life, but I'm a writer, I'm a reader, and uh, a podcaster, and worked on a handful of documentary films and projects like that as well. Um, uh, deep down, I'm, I'm just a guy who gets is curious. You know, I, I, I get wind of a thing that's happened or that's happening, a story, and uh, something that seems underreported, something that seems um, maybe uh, glossed over. Or just that needs a deeper look, and I, I just my own personal curiosity makes me kind of want to needle my way into all the little details and kind of figure out, you know, what happened or what, what's going on. Yeah, and Ray was telling me that you built your own home off the grid and you live on rainwater and, and solar energy stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that is that is true. I uh, I bought land in uh, in southern Indiana and. Um, after you know just years of kind of saving money with my now wife and um bought ourselves a couple couple of acres and in in the woods and 
I built a little cabin. I'm, I guess I, you would say I'm still building it. I think whenever you build your own house, you're kind of always building it. But, uh, um, but yeah, and it, it's got solar panels and all our water is caught rainwater and heat with wood in the winter. And um, it's it's a it's a cozy little existence. The uh, we don't have any air conditioning, and that's I think my wife's biggest complaint. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's nice. And I guess you hunt and farm for food. Uh, I, I I hunt in the in the fall when uh, when you can. Um, there's you know obviously little hunting seasons throughout the year. Like you know there's like some spring turkey and stuff like that. I don't. I would love to one day be able to dedicate more time to that. But usually it's like deer hunting in the fall. And uh, I do have uh, I, I plant a lot of fruit trees and berry bushes and stuff like that. But I'm not going to pretend that I don't go to a grocery store. I okay. absolutely do. <laughs> and we've got to have you come back and just talk about that sometime. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, but your co-host is Ray Novoselsky. Ray, are you there? Yeah, I am. Tell us about yourself, Ray. Who is Ray? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, you know, I grew up uh, in, a little in Chicagoland and mostly uh, just outside of Indianapolis. Met John Duffy in college. We were pursuing film degrees at Columbia College Chicago. Uh, we shared kind of a, I guess, an anti-authoritarian tendency, a dislike of kind of bullies in society that, you know, pick on someone else because just because they have maybe more power and the ability to do so and i I think we've done sort of a 20-year career where well i mean you know i kind of grew up in ronald reagan and bill clinton's america that was the first 20 years and the last 20 years have been sort of the um hellscape that dick cheney unleashed Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) moving into the you know the most recent and uh yeah i think we've just been uh we've set our sights on i always believed we that change was possible and that um, storytelling, documentary, film, journalism, all that stuff was a was like a no brainer way to try to like have other people walk in other folks shoes and see see what they're seeing or maybe see what I'm out there seeing. Um, yeah, that's me. Why don't you guys tell us about Donye Jones? Who was Donye Jones? Take it, Ray. He's a 24 year old. Um, he was uh he had big dreams he had a big heart by all accounts he uh made made people laugh if you really knew him he could be very goofy if you didn't know him he might throw up kind of a tougher exterior especially if you were messing with his family uh or or his activist mother i think he was very inspired by his mother melissa mckinney's who um was amongst kind of the what they call the ferguson frontline activists who you know in mid and late uh, 2014 uh, really launched, arguably launched a new wave civil rights movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, by refusing to let go of the fact that uh, Mike Brown Jr. had been shot and killed and left baking in the sun of August for hours uh, by the local police. Yeah, they actually drove a cop car through the memorial to all the flowers and stuff. They just rammed it right through there. And that was all the first day uh, that this uh, chaos went on down there. Uh, I've heard stories about um, you know letting letting dogs pee on the spot, and there's all kinds of stories floating around out there. Wow. It's hard to know what's uh, there's a lot of accounts put it like that. Right, right. So, what happened with Donye Jones? They, they they found him hanging in his backyard. Correct. On the morning of October seventeenth, twenty eighteen, uh, is. Mom uh, had had a, a, a bizarre nightmare in the night. Uh, his stepfather, Derek, worked uh, third shift, so wasn't home. 
Um, and when he arrived home early morning, uh, roughly 5 a.m., uh, you know, Danya's mother, Melissa, had, had this rough night of sleep. And, uh, and, and Derek came in and, and noticed that the basement light was on. And the basement was where Danya was staying. Now, Danya had lived out of state for a little while and had recently returned in recent months and was staying at his at his mother's place uh, while he figured out where he was going to go. And the basement light was on and Derek uh, went down there and, you know, did, or he called down to Danya. He was like, Danya's not down there. Where's Danya? And Melissa was like, no, of course he's down there. And she went down looking for him. He wasn't. She found a brick laying next to where he slept. There was like a, a couch that uh, in this like sort of uh, entertainment area, which was where he'd made his room. And there was a brick laying next to it. And she found that so bizarre. Like, why is he this brick? And she carried it back upstairs. And you know, she knew where it came from. It came from the back patio. And she was putting it back. And uh, right there, like before, you know, sunrise, just a little, little sun on the horizon. She looks up and and sees his body hanging from a tree uh, tied there by a bed sheet. Obviously, she panics, runs in the house screaming, uh, calls 911. Uh, her brother, who was staying with her as well, and then her husband both run outside, and, you know, it's, and it starts from there. They find this young man who had been starting his own business, uh, trying to get into real estate, who by all accounts uh, seemed like he was in good spirits, who Derek had you know, watched a season opener of the Boston Celtics with the night before, uh, you know, thought he was in good spirits. They had no idea how he ended up dead by morning. There was no suicide note. There was no suicide note. Um, if we want to get into some of the little details later, we can. There was a, a chair, one of the patio chairs was nearby, uh, not directly under him, but nearby. And uh, but other than that, no, no notes. And to know Danye was he was actually quite he was quite taken to writing. He wrote a lot of a lot of poetry by all accounts when he sent people, you know, text messages. They were very long. Like so. Uh, and he was taking a lot of notes for his, his real estate business. He was doing a lot, reading a lot of books, watching a lot of videos. So um, he, uh, you know, he he had access to pen and paper, I guess is what I'm saying. He was mm -hmm. a guy who did write a lot of his thoughts out in poetry form. So uh, they also found it bizarre that there wouldn't have been some form of note. What was the time of death? Well, the time of death specifically uh, was not determined by the um, by the county. That was actually something we had someone look into, uh, a medical legal investigator from out of state. Uh, so they found him again uh, around, you know, 6.15 a.m. roughly, you know, 6 a.m., 6.15 a.m. Um, but they, uh, uh, the county themselves doesn't do time of death. Our out-of-state investigator uh, using... Uh, Ambient temperature, body temperature, all of that estimated roughly 4:30 a.m. Okay, 4:30 a.m. Now, when they found the body, was he wearing shoes? Uh, the body did have shoes on, um, and uh, the interesting thing about his clothing, I guess, was that he had his pants, which were like a sort of like a jogging style pant, like a sweat pant. Yeah. Uh, were kind of rolled down and found around his ankles. Now he had basketball shorts on under underneath that, um, but he had socks, he had, sh had sneakers, um, and a t-shirt uh, was what he was wearing. But then these pants being around the ankles were what was actually what spurred his uncle into wanting to take photographs of him hanging there before taking him down. Now nine one one was telling them take him down, take him down. 
he was cold to the touch, so they weren't thinking this is a scenario where they can revive him. Right. But they're seeing these pants down and going like, that's just bizarre. Uh, let's, you know, let's snap a picture of this. And they start looking up and they're looking at the bed sheet and it's not making sense to them. So that's why they took pictures that Melissa ultimately put online. And this was a bed sheet that was from his bed. No, the bed sheet, no one knows where it was from. Um, so again, he was sleeping, uh, on a couch. So, you know, he had blankets that, you know, be laid out for sleeping, but the bed sheet he was hanged with was a fitted bed sheet. And, uh, it wasn't, you know, from a bed that was fitted to anything. And, you know, his mother, Melissa says, I've never seen this sheet before. I don't know where the sheet came from. Um, and she, you know, she said that, it, it didn't match any of the sheets in the house. She had to actually buy extra sheets when her, like after this whole event with Donya happened, family came, uh, she had more people come and stay in the house. She actually had to buy more sheets. So there'd be enough for everybody. She's like, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, but I only owned enough sheets for the beds in the house. I didn't sure. have extras. So. Now, now what about, uh, was there rope available to him? If he wants to use a rope, we asked that, uh, question of uh, Melissa, and she told us that, uh, in fact, yes, there was in the garage. And in order to access the backyard, he would have had to have passed through the garage. That was the way the back door uh, went um, from the kitchen into the garage, then to the back patio and out to the backyard. So uh, he would have passed rope on his way there. Um, she also said, Hey guys, I got a great new deal for you. It's called Factor, America's number one ready to eat meal delivery service. Now, I want you to take out a pen and paper and write down Opperman 50, O-P-P-E-R-M-A-N 5-0. Now, fact is, delicious ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes, you'll be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan veggie, and more. Uh... There's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. Snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. Flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or schedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup needed. Now head to factormeals.com front slash opperman50. And then you use code opperman50 to get 50% off. That's code opperman50 at factormeals.com front slash opperman50. O-P-P-E-R-M-A-N 5-0 to get 50% off. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, extension cords, belts, any other mm. manner of that. And, you know, if he was, you know, eager to die, like he did not own a firearm of his own at the time. But, you know, his mom and his sister were like, oh, man, he knew so many people. Like he could have he, he could have gotten a gun very, very, very easily. So... Was he in the habit of being up at 4.30 a.m. walking around with shoes on? So that's one of the uh, interesting questions as well. He asked great questions on this. So he had actually left that evening to go somewhere, but no one knows where. He didn't usually go overnight anywhere. Um, But this particular evening, the last person to see him alive uh, that we know of is his uncle Daniel, who's sitting in the kitchen at about... Uh, you know, roughly between nine and nine thirty, and sees Danye leave out the back door carrying a backpack, and the backpack is found on the back patio the next morning. Uh, the backpack had uh, a toothbrush, deodorant, change of clothes, and Danye had um, kind of pushed on his mom earlier that day to, to do some laundry for him because he needed clean underwear and things. So they were all under the impression he was going to stay somewhere likely with a young lady um because it's like he wants clean underwear and all these things and he doesn't he doesn't usually leave and stay the night anywhere so this was unusual to them but you know they didn't he's a grown man so they're like all right he's going somewhere um so that for him to then turn up you know dead in the morning they and then for this medical expert to say it's likely he died around 4 4 30 we do have this large period of missing time that exists between roughly 9 30 uh, you know, in ten o'clock, or in, in four and four thirty in the morning, when he when he's dead. So I'm I'm assuming he didn't have a, a steady girlfriend or a steady boyfriend, or no. Um. So there were accusations. Well, not accusations. There were rumors going around that he was gay, that he was aware of, that he was hotly, uh, like de- defiant about, and. Um, and we later got to see a lot of things that were in his, you know, his phone files and stuff like that. And all of that does not point to anything homosexual. He's definitely, he's definitely a man who's interested in women, has had several girlfriends and has, um, uh, in his life at the time of his death, kind of two potential women we're aware of one, an ex-girlfriend that is sort of the take home to mom, sort of, sort of girl, you know, college educated, very churchy, very sweet. And he had dated her for a while and was seemingly reconnecting with her based on his text message activity. And then he had another girl who was more of like the bad girl who he had also dated on and off, had retained a friendship with, actually a very close friendship with, 
And but you know she was more into partying, more into you know sure, you the know, fun casual yeah, party things. Yeah, okay. exactly, exactly. But now what exactly. about that? You said that you, you were able to read his text. Now, do we have his phone logs? Do we know who he was communicating with that night? Who he was going to see? Well, we so we were able to after a period of time get uh, his phone cracked by um, a company in Texas, and they were able to. Uh, bypasses passcode basically and um we were able to then it was so interestingly it's, it's tough because there's two things really going on with the phone here the phone is um doesn't have service and it only is able to be used when he's logged into a wi-fi network he's basically using it like a tablet gotcha. like, a, like a laptop gotcha. right he's, yeah. he's logging into wi-fi at the house He's, you know, using and then he just uses apps. He has like a text app. He has Facebook Messenger. Um, you know, he goes on YouTube a lot. He uses SoundCloud a lot. Gotcha. So when we go into the when we get access to the phone later, the, the company that busted into it was also able to give us a, like they give us a map of like contents. And also all of the text from the text app, the Facebook Messenger texts, those are all like given to us as text files. And, it, you know, it's not as clean as you would like it, but we're able to kind of go through those and read those and start deciphering what's what um, and look start looking through history and in Google history. Um, so we, we were able to get kind of a picture of what was going on in his life uh, right up to the moment he died because of that. So then what, what did, did he have plans to meet with anybody that night? That was the thing we were really hoping to find. Like when sure. we, we assumed that that's what we would find. Now here's the problem: we can't see, we can't see like what goes on with calls. So if he makes a, a Facebook Messenger call, we m wouldn't mm. necessarily know. Or like a text, some of these text apps, you know, things like Signal, Text Now can allow you to make calls. Some of that. It, it, it gave us a little bit of a picture sometimes when like a video ch it'll say like video chat ended hmm. in like the Facebook Messenger big like, okay we could see that at this time he had a video chat but we don't necessarily know if if he called someone with Facebook Messenger or something he could have totally had a conversation we never knew about and unfortunately we don't see anything in text saying like all right I'll pick you up in you know 20 minutes or whatever so we we ultimately hoped to find that and then didn't Okay, so now the, the police arrive. Uh, how, how do they begin their investigation? Do they question everybody in the family? So, you know, you get the first you get the first officer on scene who's just probably the nearest patrol car, right? And, uh, the, you know, because dispatch, you know, 911 calls dispatch. They get the nearest cop over. That cop comes in and makes contact with, the, with uh, Daniel, who's Daniel's uncle, who's in the backyard with the body. And he starts asking questions. Eventually, about a half an hour or so later, 40 minutes later, you get the, you know, the crime scene uh, unit. You get the crimes against persons, which have the, like the primary detectives. They all start showing up. Uh, and what we see, and I don't think this is probably uncommon in a lot of places, is like even his mother, Melissa, if you listen to the 911 call, you hear her screaming like, why would he do this? My baby, why would he do this? Her initial presumption mm. is that he's committed suicide because she sees the body hanging from a, you know, from a, from a tree. And she's crying that on the 911 call. First, you know, first, the 911 dispatch themselves, so you can hear them saying like, all right, yeah, we got a, or we have a, we have a, 
a suicide, you know, whatever. So the first officer who arrives on scene is probably thinking like, all right, I got probably got a suicide here. And the presumption just passes from person to person to person to person. And what you would hope would happen is that detectives get there and go, look, it could look like that. But we have to check all options. We have to be careful here because sometimes, you know, people could stage a suicide. You know, this has all the hallmarks of a lynching. Let's, you know, maybe the gut reaction is this is probably a suicide. But we're going to cross all our T's and dot all our I's and we're going to look for everything. And, yes, they sit down. They they speak with the family, the medical um, examiner's office sends out their investigator. He's asking his questions. Uh, But what the way the family later describes it is a couple things happen. Number one, the lead detective, Timothy Andrew, seems hostile. He seems hostile uh, to Melissa. She says he's, he's acting kind of nasty, acting like this is a, kind of like a big waste of his time. And when he's out in the front yard uh, talking with the other officers, they're all like just yucking it up, laughing, telling jokes. She's not getting the impression that he's taking this like terribly seriously. And he's also being what she describes as is rude uh and the questions they're getting asked they feel are you know when they look back on it later they don't feel like they were very you know general questions uh as if a homicide was a possibility it was very much like all right well why would he kill himself so uh that was the primary direction of the questioning which they later found to be quite lacking and sort of leading and, and this was the Ferguson Police Department. Uh, no, this was the St. Louis County Police Department. So while Ferguson is in St. Louis County, uh, some of the municipalities have their own law enforcement and have their own municipal court system. Others uh, do everything uh, contracted out just through the county police. And when the federal government came in and investigated the Ferguson Police Department, did they also investigate the, uh, the, the St. Louis County Police? Because I read that whole report. Uh, Ray, do you want to jump in, back in here now that your connection's better? Oh, sorry. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah I'm back. Um, yeah, no, they, they did focus entirely on Ferguson, and that report is, uh, you said you read it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, it, it, it's jaw-dropping in many ways, but, uh, but, you know, one might surmise that it could theoretically apply to other municipalities or perhaps to county entirely in terms of some of the lessons that were pulled out of there, but, um, you know, that was specific to Ferguson, which, you know, Maybe that points to something that post this podcast, maybe there could be a deeper DOJ look into the, the regional police. Yeah, it would be surprising if the, the city, Ferguson City Police, are arresting people for failure to obey, and like 30% of the people have warrants, uh, that it would be that far different uh, in the county police. Uh, that they would and be a that lot much. of the, we've seen by following kind of the careers of some of the police officers uh in the area that that frequently you know someone will leave one municipality and just right. you know end up at another one and so forth so there seems to be a lot of like you know mixing and matching out there yeah has the family been able to get the uh, the department of justice the federal government involved to investigate this case uh, you know in a late episode uh in, in, in episode 11 uh the audience is going to kind of um find out how the fbi enters the mix here and unfortunately because that that episode hasn't dropped yet i don't think we can really go into details as to how that happens but um something shocking just occurred in in episode seven that dropped here on tuesday uh that involved the destruction of a a key piece of evidence related to the donye jones case and that ultimately um sets in motion something that sees the fbi uh looking further into this 
Okay, maybe we can have you come back after that uh, next episode. Uh, so, uh, what, what is the next stage of the investigation? What happens next? Hmm. Uh, well, it was, so, you know, the police come, they, they take, you know, the statements on the scene, they take a look around, uh, the medical examiner, you know, uh, uh, investigators there, he, he takes a look around, the police take pictures, and then, and then, you know, ultimately the body is taken to the medical examiner's office uh, for, the patholo- uh, for the pathologist to look at. And that's pretty much all the family sees. And then, you know, it's not till much later. It, it, it ultimately takes like almost nine months about for the uh, detective to release his final report on Danye. So we weren't able to see for a long time what exactly it was that he did in the investigation. Now, the police in their statements, you know, early on are saying, you know, well, once this report comes out, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see all the people we talked to and all the things we looked into. And then, then you'll understand how we came to this determination. And, uh, and when we finally do get the police report, what, what it basically looks like the detective did is when he left the scene, he went you know, back to the office and he looked in some internal databases they have for you know, mental health emergencies and things like that, looking to see if you know, there were any hits on Danye, didn't find any, um, looked you know, at previous 911 calls from the house uh, and found you know, a couple things that are totally irrelevant, like Melissa reporting on some people outside. Uh, you know, l- looking into cars, <clears throat> and that was about it. He looked at Tanya's Facebook page, and Tanya's Facebook page wow. was very new. It was uh, maybe I think it went back as to March. It had posts that, that spanned between March and September, and it was primarily all about his real estate business. He was trying to set up. He's trying to get other people who want to. You know, he's doing like the buy houses and flip houses, contract stuff. So he's trying to, you know, get people to see the houses he has available. Basically, stuff like that. There's nothing to lead one way or the other on, on suicide. So that's pretty much all the detective does. And then about two weeks later, after Melissa's gone public with this big, you know, push, my son has been, you know, my son's been lynched, he's been murdered, and she has a, a press conference and is starting to get local and national news on it. That's when the detective makes a request to the medical examiner's office to get back the pants Donya was wearing and the bed sheet he was hanged with so he could take it to the crime lab for DNA analysis. By then the pants have been uh, you know, returned to the family, so they're no good anymore. And uh, the bedsheet itself, he he does get it does get tested, and the pathologist ends up telling us like, oh yeah, there was a second set of DNA on there besides Donye's, which we thought was kind of a big deal. <laughs> Has uh, that ever been? And it would have been easy enough at that point for the lead detective to go, okay, you know, I still really believe this is uh, this is suicide. There's a you know chair. Uh, overturned underneath Danye and there, you know, I'm not seeing signs of a struggle, but the mother seems and the family seems pretty confident this was homicide. And now we've got uh, two or more additional males DNA. So maybe we start by just swabbing, you know, the stepfather and the uncle that live in the house and just kind of see if like they match to the, the additional DNA or if we can eliminate them, go from there. But nothing further happens there's no further swabbing and and literally for months we can find nothing when you break down the report that was done to look any further into Danye's death until you know belatedly in june um the report's finished and then released in july of 2019 so and and what was you know really unfortunate is that when it came to the medical examiner's office and the pathologist um you get these these assumptions being made that you know the pathologist hears from the police like, oh yeah, we found this uh, extra set of DNA on there, but the 
but it's you know it's a minor component and the, the, the you know where the sheet was tied into the tree all that dna is is donya's hmm. however we find when we read the medical examiner's report like they have no way of knowing where on the sheet it was tied into the tree there's no possible way they could know because the medical examiner's own investigator he writes in his report that he untied the sheet from the tree and he just, and where did he put that sheet he put it in the body bag against donya's body so it wasn't separated in another bag to prevent contamination from Donye's body onto the sheet. So theoretically, anywhere they swab it, it has now potentially touched Donye's body. Uh, and they also cannot reconstruct the, the, the system of, of how the ligature was tied because instead of cutting the sheet and marking the cuts as a, a, a different out-of-state investigator told us, you know, he does it. So you can reconstruct the hanging sure. in the autopsy room should you need to. They didn't do that. They just untied it and chucked it in there. So, it, it, again, we just see these presumption after presumption after presumption that this is suicide. So it doesn't matter how we do this. So it doesn't matter how things are preserved. And then and then everybody just kind of references each other. Like the pathologist is referencing the police. The police are referencing the medical examiner's office. They're all leaning onto each other. Well, they thought it was a suicide instead of – and they just create a little circle of – of evidentiary support, which becomes, you know, you know, preposterous. And if I could just add, I mean, you know, it's easy enough to say, uh, to give kind of, there's a lot of benefit of the doubt that we tried to give here. And, and we do understand that um, you, you show up on scene, uh, you've got, li you know, limited resources, limited time to investigate these things. You see a lot of suicides in St. Louis County. And so it looks like a suicide, fair enough. But what if you're wrong? I mean, the chance that there's someone, you know, murdering black activists in a way that echoes classic lynching, um, you know, and is out there on the loose might do it again. You know, mothers saying that's what we think happened. Uh, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then to, to, to literally show no movement in your investigation, not a single thing done from the morning that the you know officer you know comes to the house to investigate until 14 days later when he has the bedsheet swabbed. It's just it's a little scary. See, that, that's what I was going to ask, uh, because anybody familiar with the Ferguson case knows the name Melissa McKinney, and though she was out there on the front. Now, when the police arrived and the detectives started investigating, they didn't know right away who she was? She feels that they did. Uh, we, when we asked Melissa, did you, you know, because Detective Vander was being, which she described as, you know, rude and laughing and being nasty to her, short with her. Uh, she, uh, I said, you know, do you, do you think he recognized you? And she said, yeah, I think he did. And what, you know, we find, you know, later on is that this guy, before he was a detective, when he was a patrol officer back in 2014, 
He was on scene at a massive protest at a mobile gas station after a young black man named uh, um, Antonio Martin was shot. And, you know, the whole big, you know, Ferguson movement's already started. So there's a huge protest at, at this gas station and it turns into a melee and there's police, you know, like beating, you know, and macing people. Well, this all comes out via a, an excessive force lawsuit and they get some this lawsuit gets some body camera footage and in the body camera footage not only do we see the events we see after the fact these police sort of bragging about it asking each other you're like oh did you get any stick time like oh, i was able to get in a few good kicks i i used a whole can of mace they're all kind of like having a good laugh about the violence they just unleashed on these protesters when it turns out the body camera footage that comes from a camera worn by officer timothy ander who would about a month later be promoted to detective and who would ultimately be the detective sent to Melissa's house to investigate this this death. So, you know, and she says to us, like, if I would have known that that was that guy, she was at that protest. She witnessed this guy beating the crap out of one of her friends. She's like, if I, if I would have known that that was the guy in my house looking wow. at the death of my son, I would have demanded somebody else. No, and it, it went further yeah. without saying too much. In episode four, we uh, as we examined uh, Timothy Anders' social media accounts, we, we found other reason to believe that he may not be a completely unbiased you know, detective working there at County PD. Yeah, and we're talking yeah. about episode four of After the Uprising, the Death of Donye Dion Jones, which you can find on uh, all the podcast platform uh, forums, uh, iHeart, Apple, Spotify. Uh, we're talking today with John Duffy and Ray Novoselsky about their podcast, uh, the Death of uh, the, After the Uprising, the Death of Donye Dion Jones. Uh, you can meet them in person in St. Louis on August 28th. It's going to have an event. Who's going to be at this event, guys? Well, you know, it's actually going to be a kind of an invite-only uh, private event. And oh, okay. The way it's been in, but it will be. Uh, the offer has been made by now this our, our partners on this podcast to uh, to stream it live. So hopefully, anyone who wants to watch it uh, may not be able to meet us in person, but can can see the event as it unfolds. Um, yeah. Saturday, August 28th. But we're seeing it as a, as a chance after we've kind of come in as independent journalists and spent two and a half years and kind of looked at what the, you know, frontline Ferguson activists have been through and the trauma they carry and looked at what the family of Donye Jones has been through and looked through what count St. Louis County has been through that like that hopefully key parties will all have a chance to talk back at that point to react to what we've unfolded in the 11 episodes and to speak for themselves about uh, call to action and where they want to go from here. Uh, it's a good we're time, also, to, good, uh, time yeah, to take also, a commercial break here oh, with John Duffy, Ray Novoselsky, and we're talking about their podcast, After the Uprising, The Death of Donye Dion Jones. We'll be right back after these messages. And now a word from our sponsors. If you find yourself in need of legal representation, it can be a very stressful time in your life. In my career, I have dealt with thousands of lawyers, I've dealt with thousands of law firms, and I can confidently recommend to you Keith M. Davidson at kmdlaw.com. Available 24 hours, seven days a week, just log into kmdlaw.com, that's kmdlaw.com, or you can call toll-free 833-4-KMD-LAW, that's 833-4-KMD-LAW. Personal injury, wrongful death, STDs, sexual assault, car accidents, they handle it all efficiently and professionally. It doesn't matter how imposing the opposition may be, because the team at KMDLaw.com are battle-tested and fierce. They will not stop until justice prevails. Go to KMDLaw.com or call toll-free 833-4-KMD-LAW. If you're in for the fight of your life, stop screwing around and contact KMDLaw. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Opperman Report. I want to welcome all our new listeners at WWPR 1490 AM in the Tampa Bay area. We're brand new down here. We're getting a nice warm welcome. We have great advertising opportunities for local sponsors, local businesses, but also international websites and international companies too. We're on our other stations in California, Nevada, Utah, and on the internet worldwide. But down here in Tampa Bay, Florida, we have some great opportunities for you to come in and get very, very affordable advertising rates. Get a hold of me at OppermanReport at gmail.com and we'll cut you a good deal. A flooded home or business is never easy to deal with. You're left with a mess to clean up, having to deal with the insurance company to pay for the damages, not to mention the memories that are lost that you cannot replace. An Aquadam can be another tool in your arsenal to protect your home or business from the floodwaters, a hurricane storm surge, or the king tides. Give Aquadam a call at 707-764-2119 or look us up online at Aquadam.net. We can help. We're also offering 10% off the price to anyone who mentions they heard this ad on the Opperman Report. EmailRevealer.com People ask me all the time, hey Ed, are you still a private investigator? I sure am. Go to EmailRevealer.com. We handle adoption investigations, infidelity investigations where you give us your spouse's email address. We trace it back to online dating websites, catch them cheating online, email tracing, locate or identify somebody from as little as an anonymous email address, someone owe you money, back child support. We can find that deadbeat, locate his hidden assets, locate his hidden bank accounts, find his current place of employment, and even assist you in obtaining a judgment and recover that judgment for you. EmailRevealer.com, digital forensics, computer forensics, cell phone forensics, recover deleted text messages, create a report that you can use in court. EmailRevealer.com, 800-572-9762. It's the Opperman Report. And now, here is investigator Ed Opperman. Okay, welcome back to the Opperman Report. I'm your host, private investigator, Ed Opperman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Opperman Report. Uh, we're talking today with our guests, um, John Duffy and Ray Novoselsky. Uh, their podcast is called uh, After the Uprising, The Death of Donye Dion Jones. And you can find that at their website, doubleasterisk.com. And you can find them on Twitter at uh, asterisk underscore double. And also to on Facebook, just called uh, After the Uprising. Uh, you know, guys, before the break, we were talking about, did these cops know Melissa McKinney? And I got to tell you, from my own experience with friends who were there in Ferguson uh, covering the story, you know, because it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. When the FBI showed up and they were going door to door taking interviews, they were asking people, hey, do you know anybody around here who's threatening to overthrow the government? So the FBI came in, supposedly to investigate the cops, but they did a lot of investigating of the protesters, too, as well. And I also know from my personal firsthand experience dealing with our activists in Las Vegas uh, that many of us were followed home from protests. And then later on, they would show up at your door with a warrant uh, for outstanding warrants, traffic warrants, whatever. Uh, So they definitely knew who Melissa McKinney was, because if I knew who she was, they knew who she was. Uh, So there's that. And I'd encourage people to listen to episode two, where we kind of go into like her, her activist group, Lost Voices, and these various things that different parties associated uh, with, as in particular, Melissa experienced these kind of, you know, whether it was deliberate or whether it was just the way it is out there, um, you know, the different like kind of novel ways to get at them, um, like a trumped up, you know, potentially trumped up charges. 
Melissa briefly held and returned a cell phone to a white man who other members of her group that she didn't know that well had um, kind of beaten him up and taken after he chose to keep live streaming when he was instructed not to at a meeting. And for that, she was facing like felony charges. Um, and there's this feeling of throwing the book at making an example of anybody who had the audacity to seek reform of the police locally. You know, what about well, uh, also other oh, threats and harassment, other threats and harassment? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. What, what I was going to say. Uh, um, Melissa says that specifically outside her own home, there were, you know, cars that would park uh, sort of, you know, across the street, kind of watch the house. And if they ever went out to try to confront them, they would drive away like, you know, if her husband or, you know, if Danye ever walked outside towards these cars, they would drive away. And this was happening with sort of increasing frequency towards uh, the, the time when Danye was eventually found dead. And that one time when Danye was at the house with her, there were two like large, dark, tinted window, suburban style, you know, vehicles parked uh, one to the left, one to the right of the house uh, across the street. And they were watching from the window. And uh, then they watched as individuals got out of these cars and walked and met each other. And she says they were police. They had police on their shirts. Like there were police watching her home. Uh, and that, you know, very much, you know, freaked out Danye at the time. He's like, whoa, damn. And, you know, Melissa had a very defiant attitude saying, like, you know, we, we, there's not, we're not doing anything. Like they can't, you know, they can't bother us, whatever. But, uh, but then, uh, you know, other activists report a variety of forms of harassment, whether directly from the police or, you know, threats over the phone, threats uh, coming online, or even just, yeah, like being out in public at the protests and having police straight up tell them like you're playing a deadly game like you better be careful who you make your enemies yeah and i mean there's like there's like these little things which which kind of connect more with like the ferguson doj report you were talking about but like the uh you know uh with the initial protest uh you know there's kind of this bs charge of failure to disperse that you can copy up anyone who's ever been an activist knows a police officer could choose to get you on at almost any time uh you know and and so there were all these outstanding ones that um, where they hadn't pressed charges yet. And it was coming up in, in August of 2015 on like the one year statute of limitations. And they chose to press charges for a portion of the ones they could have. And it just so happens that one of those was was one of someone close to Melissa who was part of Lost Voices named Melvin Moffat, who happened to, as a result of that, end up on house arrest, uh, you know, and, and therefore obviously wasn't doing any more protesting. Um, now, when, when you guys contacted me through Pierce Redmond from Porkins Policy um, about this story, uh, as soon as I, I read the name, I, I remembered this story, the, the hanging in Ferguson. So it's, it's a nationwide story. But what about the local press over there in Ferguson? How are they dealing with this? Crickets. It's been crickets. Mm -hmm. Actually, I mean, we got to thank the folks at, um, at the, the NPR station. Uh, you know, uh, they, uh, they're in St. Louis. They're, they're the only ones they had Melissa uh, into the studio for tw you know twenty minute segment that was uh, that was well thought out and that was very kind but you know I'm a little disappointed I gotta say we there've been uh, Danye's story thanks to Melissa um, posting you know the the photo of her son on Facebook that went viral and then holding a press conference with the rest of Danye's family they did report on this quite a bit in late 2018 and a little more in early 2019 when the medical examiner's report dropped. And of course, it got a lot of national media. Um, but, you know, we've been trying to message and encourage local media that like, 
they did a great job following this at the beginning. We took that ball and ran with it, and we found a lot more things that we think the public of St. Louis would want to know about. The um, some of the social media posts by this detective, some of the things that we've mentioned here on this podcast, and they don't seem to consider them newsworthy, which I I just I just have do not understand. Um, yeah. If Melissa's willing to do interviews, if you can put her in touch with me, I'd love to get her on the air. And uh, I'll, okay. I'm all over California, Nevada, Utah, New Florida. So, she um, would love oh, great, great, excellent. I, I would love to do this. And now, you've been working on this for two and a half years, you said, right? Uh, what have you found to be the most shocking uh, revelation? Um, yeah, I, you know, in doc, working on documentaries my whole my whole life now, I, you know, I, I you get shocked every so often, and, and those times really those those. How about this? You don't get shocked that easily after a while, but yeah. every once in a while something creeps up out of nowhere, and you you just can't believe it. You heard it, you saw it, but did that really happen? And I would say the the batting average on did this really happen gut punch moments were way higher on this project than anything I've ever done before, and uh, there were three that really stood out. But because they're such um, because there's such twisty turny moments within the the narrative of the podcast for people who want to like listen and kind of like take the journey i'm reticent to go too far with it but i will say that episode seven that just dropped and episode eight that's dropping on tuesday both end with with two of the moments that um that just left us going can you did that just happen um and one of them involves evidence related to the case and what seemed like a hostile move by St. Louis County. And another involved um, maybe something that the audience that's been following this show up to this point are gonna find a, a little difficult to deal with in terms of where it seems to point. Um, yeah, and then episode 11, if people can get all the way to the end, uh, also has another one of those moments where we sort of thought we were at the end of our journey with Melissa and then sort of it's St. Louis. So of course, one more thing has to happen just pull that rug out you know and people can check this out at double asterisk.com now and the, and the thing is called um uh, after the uprising now in the notes you sent over to me there was something about the lead detective gave them a fake uh business card oh yeah so uh, so bizarrely the morning that he's there investigating the death the day, you know the morning it happened uh he hands Derek, Melissa's husband, a business card, and he leaves. And, you know, that's common practice. Sure. The officer hands the business card so you can get in contact, share information. And they try calling the number on it, and Derek's surprised when he's talking to a black guy. And he's like, he's like, hey, we're trying to get that, you know, the bed sheet back that he was hanged with. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And then he kind of looks at the card, you know, you know, doesn't just look at the number, looks at what the card says. And the emblem says St. Louis Airport Police. And the card was for a man named uh, Sergeant Leslie F. Williams of the St. Louis Airport Police, and you know we we asked the St. Louis County Police about this. We're like, well, he seems to have like maybe it was a mistake, but he seems to have given the wrong business card to the family, and you know the St. Louis County Police kind of just didn't even believe us. They're just like that. Ah, we doubt that even happened. Like you know, come on, like you know, and and we're like we've seen it. <laughs> we went there and they showed it to us. You know, it uh so it's it's just a bizarre thing. You know. It, on its own, you would be, you'd probably give the the, detec- the detective the benefit of the doubt. You'd say, you know what, he had a bit, another one in his pocket. He wasn't looking. He handed it over. But I think you know when you take it in context with everything else you end up seeing and hearing across the show, it seems like one more slight 
from a guy who is just hostile to this woman and this family. And uh, it, it seems to fit a pattern of greater just nasty behavior. Now, now what about the airport policeman? Was he familiar with this uh, other cop? And, and did he remember giving him his card? Uh, no, I only spoke uh, with him one time. Uh, it's not in the show. Uh, but he he was very hard to get a hold of. But he had, uh, you know, he didn't uh, he didn't recognize the moment. He did, he was he was confused by it. And uh, and Derek also when Derek talked to him on the phone, he said that he was kind of befuddled that this that this even happened. Fascinating, guys. We're just about out of time. We got about three four minutes left. What do you want to leave us with? Oh man. I don't know. I'm not sure where I'm left at this point. John, where do you think you're left? I, I would I would just say that, you know, it's a listen to the show. The show's, you know, it's intriguing. It's going to take you back and forth. It's very engaging. There's a lot in there, you know, about Donya personally and like his personal life, but also this stuff with the county and the police. Uh, but ultimately, I, I tell people that, you know, it's it's a tough story. It's tough. It's hard. Yeah. It, it can be hard listening at time because of, of the content, but it is also you know it's important it's relevant it's uh it's it's fascinating and you know one of the things one of my takeaways is just sort of the banality of how people can be failed whether Donye did or did not take his own life you, you see a system failing people failing a family you see a community being failed and you see how it's just sort of like the day in day out nine to five grind uh, passing the buck, passing responsibility, d- doing the bare minimum, and that, and how that just ends up failing people. You, you know, but and that goes on, and not just cops, not just uh, medical examiners or judges, it, it, prosecutors. Everybody's life. Everybody wants to do the minimal amount of work. You know, it's just a. Uh, what are you gonna do? You know, I'm guilty of myself. Seen, <sighs> yeah, when you when you walk into crime scenes day in day out, yep. you know, when you when you have bodies coming across your table day in day out, like. You know, when it's your family member, it's of the utmost importance when, you know, it's like how EMTs they get caught, like texting each other, like horrible jokes and photos of like, you know, victims of car crashes and yeah. stuff. It's like because to them, it's become just another day on the job, you know, and like it's and it's one of the, yeah, the hard things to sort of reconcile. But these shootings of, of unarmed young black men and women have obviously for very good reason gotten a lot of the attention and they're obviously the most dramatic and it's the end of a life. But I think what we're exploring here is how potentially systemic racism or just bias among police and then mm-hmm. lack of lack of time, lack of resources being given to them, right? And so when they're gonna cut corners, maybe it's gonna be aimed at a certain community and oh. when they're going to see things a certain way through a certain lens, you know, th- maybe that's going to disproportionately affect a certain community's oh, investigation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much. We've been talking to Ray Novoselsky and John Duffy. You can catch their podcast, which is called uh, After the Uprising, The Death of Donye Dion Jones. Every Tuesday, they drop a new episode. Uh, their website is ast- or double asterisks.com. Double asterisk. Double asterisk media. Oh, really? Yes, sir. (laughs) Double asterisk media.com. And you can find what What is your Twitter and your Facebook, guys? Twitter is at asterisk underscore double. And Facebook is uh, facebook.com. Just search uh, uh, after the uprising there. You'll find it. Gotcha. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And and as stuff comes out, as new stuff comes out, keep me me in the loop here, okay? Sounds good. Thank Thank you. you so much for having us. Good night.
And now a word from our sponsors. If you find yourself in need of legal representation, it can be a very stressful time in your life. In my career, I have dealt with thousands of lawyers. I've dealt with thousands of law firms, and I can confidently recommend to you Keith M. Davidson at kmdlaw.com. Available 24 hours, seven days a week. Just log into kmdlaw.com. That's kmdlaw.com. Or you can call toll-free 833-4-KMD-LAW. That's 833-4-KMD-LAW. Personal injury, wrongful death, STDs, sexual assault, car accidents. They handle it all efficiently and professionally. It doesn't matter how imposing the opposition may be because the team at kmdlaw.com are battle-tested and fierce. They will not stop until justice prevails. Go to kmdlaw.com or call toll-free 833-4-KMD-LAW. If you're in for the fight of your life, stop screwing around and contact KMD Law. Before Epstein was the Franklin cover-up. Before that, the Finders. And long before that, the Cleveland Street Scandal. Pedogate Primer is a concise intro and overview of a growing child abuse epidemic worldwide. It features shocking instances of institutionalized and organizational pedophilia throughout history. Churches, cults, the world of arts and entertainment, the government, NGOs, charities, and major corporations are all complicit or culprits in many instances. Pedogate Primer delves into material that for many may seem like the stuff of conspiracy theories. For this reason, the book draws on academic resources, declassified documents, and other reliable sources, and steers clear of conjecture. Such shocking true stories need no embellishment. EmailRevealer.com People ask me all the time, Hey Ed, are you still a private investigator? I sure am. Go to emailrevealer.com. We handle adoption investigations, infidelity investigations, where you give us your spouse's email address. We trace it back to online dating websites, catch them cheating online, email tracing, locate or identify somebody from as little as an anonymous email address, summon all your money, back child support. We can find that deadbeat, locate his hidden assets, locate his hidden bank accounts, find his current place of employment, and even assist you in obtaining a judgment and recover that judgment for you. EmailRevealer.com, digital forensics, computer forensics, cell phone forensics, recover deleted text messages, create a report that you can use in court. EmailRevealer.com, 800-572-9762. Thank you so much for listening to the Opperman Report. I want to welcome all our new listeners at WWPR at 1490 AM in the Tampa Bay area. We're brand new down here. We're getting a nice warm welcome. We have great advertising opportunities for local sponsors, local businesses but also international websites and international companies too. We are on our other stations in California, Nevada, Utah, and on the internet worldwide. But down here in Tampa Bay, Florida, we have some great opportunities for you to come in and get very, very affordable advertising rates. Get a hold of me at oppermanreport at gmail.com and we'll cut you a good deal. A flooded home or business is never easy to deal with. You're left with a mess to clean up, having to deal with the insurance company to pay for the damages, not to mention the memories that are lost that you cannot replace. An Aquadam can be another tool in your arsenal to protect your home or business from the floodwaters, a hurricane storm surge, or the king tides. Give Aquadam a call at 707-764-2119 or look us up online at Aquadam.net. We can help. We're also offering 10% off the price to anyone who mentions they heard this ad on the Opperman Report. 
Hey guys, if you like the show and you want to show your support, uh, check out the Opperman Report Patreon. Uh, you can go there and become a member uh, for $3 a month. We have all the shows that you hear Monday through Friday on AMFM Radio. We have all those shows, but we cut out the ads. So you can hear that content ad-free. Uh, there's a $5 section where we put up all the old uh, member section shows are going up over there. And then there's a $10 section where we have brand new content. Eight hours of exclusive content per month uh, goes up there in the $10 section. But listen, I put up a lot of free stuff, too. We put up documents, court documents, photographs, announcements. So you should make the Opperman Report Patreon a, a stop. You should stop there once a day and check out what's going on over there. Uh, that's Opperman Report Patreon.